everyone needs a pastor. A Visit to the Pastor study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. Great to have you with us for another visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastors at risk. Pastors at greater risk. Time bomb in the church diffusing pastoral burnout. On the brink. Grace for the burned out pastor. Clergy killers. Guidance for pastors and congregations under attack. Zeal without burnout. Reset. Well, these are just a, a few of the dozens of books that address what I can only regard as a crisis or a near crisis in the lives of ministry leaders in the 21st century. Pastors, evangelists, elders, counselors, youth leaders, and others who are discouraged, worn out, struggling with unbelief in the promises of God, and in all too many cases ready to throw in the towel and get out of the demanding arena of Christian ministry. And this is, well, quite simply a time of crushing challenges for those involved in Christian service. You see, the days of cultural Christianity are gone in most areas of our nation. No longer can churches and ministers assume that people have an inherited respect for the clergy, the church, and its ordinances. Our pervasive secularism treats virtually everything connected with religion, quote-unquote, as unimportant, foolish, meaningless, or all three. And this brings the temptation for ministry leaders to either compromise truth or become disheartened by opposition on every front. Consumerism and materialism constantly challenge the realm of faith rather than sight, Ministry leaders who are called to serve the Lord feel the pressure to become servants of the felt needs of others, and that felt need for things this sensory world provides can oh, oh, so easily usurp our real need for the grace of God that comes from the unseen world of heaven. Burden droop. Pastors and others who are called to bear the burdens of the people they serve not only must meet these challenges in the life and labor of their own calling, but they must help others meet these challenges in their spheres of life and service. A worldly culture of entertainment and amusement works against and erodes a Christian culture of edification, edification that demands thought, often painful self-examination, repentance, faith, and exertion. Ministry leaders feel this conflict of cultures day in and day out. And our hyper-fast-paced, production-oriented, Amazon Prime service society has become a metaphor that challenges ministry that must be patient, that often seems to produce nothing and given the sheer humanity of Christian leaders, is hardly able to do things as quickly and efficiently as computers and machines. So to put it bluntly, 
the internal pressures of stress in our society that is hardly friendly to historic biblical Christianity are every bit as challenging as the external pressures of persecution in other societies that are no friends of the Bible, Jesus Christ, and the Christian faith. And the result in the lives of too many ministry leaders are tragic. Daily temptations to discouragements, a sense of hopelessness and futility, and even to suicide. And we don't want to admit it, but not a few ministry leaders have either attempted to take their own lives or have actually succeeded in their attempt. Stresses on marriages and families that can easily lead to severe marital or family conflict, divorce, and or the rebellion of children. Exhaustion from overwork and a deeply felt sense of inability to meet all of the demands that press on them all the time. The pressure to perform in competition with professional performers who captivate the eyes and the ears of the people to whom we are called to serve as faithful servants, not as comedic entertainers. Temptations to retreats into the enslaving world of pornography or of actual sexual escapades, the overuse of alcohol and dependence on drugs as ways to get relief from the seemingly non-stop pressures of ministering to seemingly non-stop needs. We forget that not only are ministry leaders frail human beings who struggle with sin and guilt just like those they serve, but they're also sheep in need of shepherds. They're servants who, whether they admit it or not, also need to be served. And if they aren't ministered to, sooner or later, they won't be able to minister effectively. Ministry leaders, church members, Christians concerned for the health of those who serve you, are you listening? Our topic for today's visit to the pastor's study is serving leaders who serve. And I have two men with me who are trained and experienced in doing just that. David Wiedis is a Jew who was converted to the Christian faith in 1972 at age 16. David is a graduate summa cum laude, from the College of New Jersey. He then attended Villanova Law School, where he graduated magna cum laude in 1986. And he also has a master's degree in Christian counseling from Cairn University, where he earned a certificate of advanced specialization in Christian counseling. He was ordained as an elder in the Presbyterian Church in America. His professional experience in the legal field is both varied and fascinating, but for our purposes today, You should know that David Wiedis is both the founder and the executive director of Serving Leaders, that's one word, Serving Leaders Ministries, an organization dedicated to serving ministry leaders and their families through pastoral care, counseling, ministry coaching, mediation, legal consultations, seminars, and a lot more. Over the past 10 years, Serving Leaders Ministries has helped thousands of people both in the United States and abroad. Joe Bruni is the Director of Operations and Strategic Advancement for Serving Leaders Ministries. Joe earned his B.A. degree in Speech and Language Pathology from the University of Vermont and later received his Master of Divinity degree from Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He's an ordained minister of the Presbyterian Church in America and having served for 10 years in mainline Philadelphia area as Director for Young Life. 
He now serves full-time with Serving Leaders Ministries. And both David Wiedis and Joe Bruni of Serving Leaders Ministries are my guests today as we learn more about this crucial field of ministry. And I do mean this is a crucial field of ministry, Serving Leaders who serve. Now remember that this program gives you the opportunity to call in with your questions. Our live call-in number, if you'd like to be on the air, 631-955-5400. Pastors and other ministry leaders who are listening, you may want to call in with your questions, 631-955-5400. And you can also text your questions anytime during the week at the special number for Pastor Bill, 516 516- Three six seven zero three nine one. Again, that number for text questions only. To Pastor Bill five one six three six seven zero three nine one. But for now, David Wiedis and Joe Bruni. Hey, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you, Bill. Yeah, it's great to have you fellows with us. David, tell us more about the things that led up to forming Serving Leaders Ministries. Sure. Um... I have always, in my 40 years of Christian life, always been close to pastors. In fact, when I was a young Christian, I was uh, very close to a pastor's family, and early on got to see the underbelly of ministry, the pressures, the isolation, some of the pain, uh, what happens when a ministry leader fails, and how how that's a devastating ripple effect, uh, both to the pastor, to the family, and then to the congregation, and even out to the community, who then sort of mocks the church because, see, they're, they're hypocrites just like the rest of us. So early on I saw uh, the underbelly of ministry, the pain of ministry, and over the years became very close to pastors. And over about 10 to 11 years ago, God started to lead me to create this ministry, and I thought, how strategic would it be If we could start to serve ministry leaders, those who serve, those who give their lives in ministry, you know, I I have so much respect for those people who give themselves to the ministry, Uh, what would it be like if we came alongside them before triage was needed, before the fall, before running off with the proverbial pastors, uh, secretaries of church, or the the funds? And in order to be strategic, we created Serving Leaders Ministries as a safe place for ministry leaders, for pastors, for youth leaders, uh, missionaries, anybody who serves the church, uh, we're trying to serve. David, I'm fascinated. Your primary work was in the field of law, and and your list of of accomplishments there is is quite lengthy. Uh, So how, how did you actually transfer from that very successful sphere of service to this work of caring for pastors and ministry leaders? Uh, yes, um, I, I really felt all my life I'd always been interested in counseling, and I okay. got to do my share of it, but I felt like, gee, I'm not trained, I don't know what I'm doing, I'd really like to get some training. And so while I was practicing law full-time, I began going to Cairn University, at that time it was Philadelphia Biblical, and um, began earning my master's in, in Christian counseling. Um, and it was a seamless kind of transition. I actually worked for the Alliance Defending Freedom for a while, traveling around the country, working with people. And as I was doing that, I, I, I just started to think about what would it be like if I could just become come alongside ministry leaders, uh, give them a safe place to talk. And um, so it was a seamless kind of thing. You know how God leads you sometimes, and he opens doors, and he created the opportunity to create this nonprofit ministry. 
And so we did it over 10 years ago. As a matter of fact, we're celebrating on March 2nd our, our 10th uh, anniversary, a celebration banquet. Oh, that's great, David. Yeah, I, one of the reasons I'm interested in this, one of our sons is a lawyer, and uh, he has on a number of occasions said, this is more my language than his, but the membrane uh, between the church and and uh, court, I'll put it that way, huh. is getting thinner and thinner. And uh, I think the fact that you have, have that had that legal experience uh, really must enter in a lot in, in the work that you do with serving leaders' ministries, correct? Yes, it does, in many different facets. I mean, from the standpoint of what can a church do and what can a church do, uh, what about the encroachment of the government into our, our churches and uh, stifling freedom of speech of pastors, to the, to the point where sometimes when I'm sitting in a counseling session, I have to be really careful. What hat am I wearing? Am I wearing a, a counseling hat now, or am I wearing a legal hat? Because sometimes when uh, I'm counseling with a ministry leader and something comes up, you know, uh, child abuse reporting or abuse or other kinds of issues that come up to my, my legal ears, my legal antenna go up. Yeah. So it, it, it is helpful, and I also do some seminars on legal issues uh, in the church. Yeah, later, six- later, I'm interested, David, that you tell everyone about the different seminars that you do. I, I think that, that that will be very helpful. Hey, Joe Bruni, you're, you're there as well. How did you get involved? Hey, in the, good, good, good chatting with you today. How did you get involved in the work of serving leaders' ministries? Well, for the last 10 years, I've been working with a ministry uh, called Young Life uh, that works and does evangelism among teenagers. And Dave, actually, living not far from where I was the area director, um, was very involved in Young Life. Um, and I knew he was, a, he was a great resource, somebody who had been teaching our staff and volunteers from time to time, um, and a great place to, to uh, connect with as people had needs. Um, and over the years, I've, I've known Dave and respected what he's been doing and have even, have even sent some Young Life staff to him um, as needs as arose. And... Uh, and then I was actually looking at transitioning off Young Life staff. I uh, felt like the world was calling me to something else and um, connected with Dave, learning about the growth of serving leaders. Um, and there's been a lot of growth lately. And there was a desire from Dave and the board to hire somebody to help focus and make the most of the opportunity we have as things have bubbled up in that growth. And really, as I spoke with Dave about his heart and the vision behind serving leaders and had already experienced some of that, um, I just realized that my own experience in ministry um, just showed me every every moment the need we have for people to come alongside of us. I've been in ministry positions in, in churches and in parachurch, and in both those environments, um, even the healthiest environment or even the most unhealthy environment, there is a need for pastors to be pastored, for ministry leaders to be cared for, and, and to have somebody walk alongside of them and really see the word safe place. But I don't think ministry leaders feel like they have hardly any safe relationships or safe places. Yeah. And that's what, ministry, that's what serving leaders provide um, in a clear way and has, has become that in the area um, and the places it's affected, a safe place, um, an easy place for pastors to walk into and know they're going to be cared for 
and there's not going to be a stigma to whatever means yeah. they have. Yeah, inter- interesting. Yeah, I, I know in, in a number of foreign mission trips that I had when I was a pastor, that's the role that I took on was, was a pastor to missionaries, and that's when I realized <laughs> myself, we should know this, these are sheep uh, who who are shepherds on the field and who also need that that shepherding work. Well, David and Joe, let's let's kind of go from the 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 broader to the more specific. You both work with many different churches and different denominations. What are some of the common denominators that you see as you work with ministry leaders and their families? Well, well, I think you really nailed it in your opening. Uh, Bill, because I, uh, I think you see so many different factors, but one of the big things is this great per- pressure to perform. Um, m- many pastors, depending on the size of their church, um, have to be the best at multiple jobs, including preaching and teaching, counseling, vision casting, worship, budgeting, even janitorial services. I mean, that's not a stretch. So there's this relentless pressure to perform in so many different areas, and to take care of all of the various needs. Uh, so many ministry leaders are overworked. They're doing so many different things and oftentimes don't know really how to do self-care and to be a steward of the ministry that they've been given. So really, um, you know, one of our messages is you're not created to work 24-7 without rest and engaging in wise self-care. Yeah. But so, so that's one of the common denominators is this great pressure to work. And work hard in perfectionism. Okay. Would you would, now? You. It's interesting you mentioned that first. Um, is that because that we're, we're going to be dealing with burnout later, which is kind of the other side of this thing? But do you mention that first because literally that's the main thing? This pressure to perform. Well, I would say there's many main things. It's really hard to say there's one thing. Okay. I think that that's an undercurrent. That's sort of always in the background. Um, most of the ministry leaders that I work with are really driven people. Um, part of that driven is godliness, and part of that drivenness is a, an insecurity in who they are, and trying, trying essentially without knowing it to get their identity from what they do as opposed to who they are before the Lord. So I'm just sort of putting my finger on a little bit of an underlying current that we hear and see oftentimes. That can be some, somewhat of the root of some of the other issues that take place, like anxiety or depression and so forth. Let, let, let me ask, and we're going to take a break in a moment. We're going to deal with, in, in a bit, with some of the other things people come to you for counseling about. But I'm interested when you use the term isolation. I, I, I We actually discussed this in our program on the unprivate life of a pastor's wife, uh, with my wife, appropriately. But isolation was not something we felt we had i had elders with whom i could work closely we had we had friends in the congregation that we could kind of let down our hair with but but is is that that kind of atmosphere uncommon for for pastors today oh i i actually think the the feeling of isolation can be extremely common um it's one of the dominant themes that i see and you were blessed to be in a church where you could be open and let your hair down so to speak uh Depending on philosophy of ministry, depending on circumstances, depending on church, depending on your session and elders, there are many pastors who feel like they can't be real. They can't really admit to anyone else that they're struggling with X, Y, or Z problem because they're either judged, criticized, or fired. So, and, and then put put that alongside com- the quote competition that you mentioned, the the, the the seeming competition between other ministry leaders, other churches. Um, 
And so you can't allow yourself to be known by other ministry leaders lest they know about you and then tell others. And so there's a, a protection of reputation kind of thing, or image management, I, I call it sometimes. Yeah. So depending on what kind of environment you're ministering in, it can be severe or it can be non-existent. My guests today are both uh, uh, David Wiedis and Joe Bruni of, of an organization It was actually mentioned to me by a minister who had attended one of your seminars and was very discouraged and came back raving about the, the, the work that serving leaders, again, that, that's one word, serving leaders, ministries, is doing. And, and if you'd like to call with your questions, or remember, again, the phone number to call in, 631-955-5400. Or if you're more comfortable texting questions, 516-367-0391. We're going to find out more about what these brothers do in the counseling room after this message from The Voice of the Pastor, a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, Information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Bill Shishko here with you. My guests today are David Wiedis and Joe Bruni of Serving Leaders, all one word, Serving Leaders Ministries. That's a separate word. If you'd like to call in with your questions about this vast topic, and it really is a, a very serious topic of, uh, of the challenges facing uh, ministry leaders today, uh, phone number to call in, 631-955-5400. Um, or if you'd like to text, 516-367-0391. All right, David and Joe, you're both, you're both trained in counseling. Obviously, you're not going to give out names. We realize that. But, but what are some of the things that ministry leaders bring to you when they come to you both for personal counseling? Well, I would say it's a really wide range, as you can imagine. We get everyone from someone who wants to come in and just talk about whatever comes up for them, some of the pressures, all the way to things like acting out sexually, uh, uh, porn addictions. Uh, we do a lot of marriage counseling. Uh, we work with pastors and ministry leaders who have anxiety, who have depression, uh, marital conflict, lack of connection within the church, within the spouse, spousal relationship. Uh, we also do a lot of... Um, 
uh, conflict mediation and, and, and staff kind of work where we're helping uh, resolve some of the issues that come up between elders, between staff. Even, uh, you know, some churches have a large staff where there's just this, this perpetual conflict. Sometimes uh, we work with pastors uh, for vocational direction. Some, some people get very discouraged. They come in and they say, look, I'm not sure I, I should be in ministry. Uh, can you help me, you know, sort of discern that and walk with us? Uh, interesting, Bill. More recently, we've had a lot of a number of senior pastors come in, and sometimes they can't identify what's wrong. And uh, I give them permission to verbalize what's bothering them. And sometimes they feel really, really guilty for saying it. But they'll say, "Look, I, I feel bored," but they feel so guilty because they've been ministering for twenty, thirty years, and uh, they've reached the quote pinnacle of their success. And so it would make sense in one in one sense to to be bored, but they don't they don't they don't want to say it because it feels ungrateful. So it's a it's a real wide range. Let, let, let me seize on that one for a minute. That, that's another one. I confess, David and Joe, I can't relate to as, as a minister. Whatever else I went through, I was I was never bored. But how, yeah. how do you counsel people? I mean, we're dealing with with the most exciting subject, if I could put it this way. We're dealing with God. Uh, how do you deal with 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 ministers who are devoted, supposed to be devoted to the Word and prayer, who are bored in what they're doing? Right. Right. So I've worked with some guys who started out in their living rooms with five or ten people, and now they have churches of 1,200. Uh. And over over a period of 15 to 20 years, they have gradually grown the church, and they've and this is how I've I've started to normalize it for them. I say, look, you've you you have many many skills that you are able to do, and you've acclimated to doing them, and it's almost almost like second nature to you. So. So if you could have gone from the day you had 10 people in your living room to 1,200, that would have a different feeling. But you've acclimated so much, and you you go from maybe initiating the church, planning the church, to maintaining the church, and that's a different skill set. So there's a lot of reasons for it. So I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I'm just going to try to help them understand, look, it, it may be pretty normal for you to be feeling this way. Let's see what you can do, where, where you get things, or where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if, if, if years ago there was a, a minister that that we knew, a, a very dear friend, and and he loved getting churches started. He, he was immensely gifted at getting a church started, and and then he would he would almost once it was organized, uh, the term we use particularize had their own elders and deacons. He'd go someplace else and start another church because he was uncomfortable right. with ongoing work. Is that the kind of thing that that you deal with with some ministers who are quote unquote bored? It it can be. Um, yes, I mean definitely. There's a different skill set and uh, gifting set to to plant a church than there is to maintain a church, uh, particularly as it grows in, in size. But uh, Joe, I think Joe wanted to comment yeah, sure. on this as well. Well, I just I want to say that as I've been working with Dave, you know, he from the start has been doing a seminar called Ruling Passions um, that really gets to the heart of the issue when it comes to how idolatry operates in our hearts. And I think as ministry leaders, we're not, um, you know, we're we are very prone to allow the same kind of idolatry to seep in on a ministry level. Mm-hmm. And so I think some pastors get to a point in their career where they go, "This is what I've always wanted." Why doesn't it feel fulfilling like I thought it would? And so I think a lot of the issues we're asking or we're facing and we're being asked about have a lot to do with 
kind of the ministerial idol idolatry that can exist in the heart. And, um, and, and a lot of that is really hard to identify because it all seems really good and for the sake of Christ and his church. Um, but ultimately, what gets pushed, what we're pushing against is the, the kingdoms we're building. Our yeah, self, yeah. For, our, for ourselves in the church. Yeah, that's a great, great way. I've asked you about uh, kind of common denominators in, in the churches and denominations regarding the problems ministers face. What about what about certain maybe common denominators or basic elements of counsel that you give to ministers in this rather broad uh, sphere of, of difficulties they face? I, I guess one of the common common kinds of themes that we want to help people see is that ministry is a gift to you. It's something that you, you comes out of who you are as you have a relationship with Christ, and it ought to come out of your heart, um, not something you, quote, do or task, you know, task-driven. And I alluded to this before, where if our identity is coming from what we do and how much accolades we get, how much affirmation, what size our church is, uh, that's that's a road to failure. That's a road to disappointment. Um, but it's really staying close to Christ, being being in communion with Him, and living out of the ministry He's given us. Um, so that's a that's a common theme. And then trying to be a good steward of that ministry, as opposed to um, you know just uh, wearing yourself out. Yeah. And Bill, I would also say that. Uh, I think we get our callings, our vocations confused. We see ministry as only our public ministry we're called to, um, and not uh, the the ministry or the calling to to Christ and to fa- to our family um, as also part of the full calling we have in Christ. And so I think that's a confusion of what calling is, a confusion of the, our priorities in that calling, really lead to a lot of these questions. Yeah, interesting. Fascinating topic. Today we're dealing with uh, David Wiedis and Joe Bruni of Serving Leaders Ministries. And, of course, the big question uh, that that comes up, I've even had uh, ministers already email me knowing that this program was going to come on. Are you dealing with burnout? And, and I want to devote the next segment to that. Um, and, again, if you'd like to call in with your own calls, uh, 631-955-5400, um, or if you'd like to text a question, 516-367-0391. But just, just a moment, I want to tell you about the, the group of churches that present this program to you. It's really part of their outreach in the metropolitan New York area. Uh, those are the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in East Haddam, Connecticut, Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church, Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamden, Connecticut, and then Westchester Orthodox Presbyterian Church, which is nestled in Mount Vernon, New York. And then we have Reformation Presbyterian Church, which is a work in Fresh Meadows, Queens. And here on Long Island in Franklin Square, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square. Trinity Church in Syosset, which is a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia, also here on Long Island. And all of these churches work together so that uh, they can they can provide what's necessary for me to be their voice and the visit to the pastor's study each week. We have extensive archives of this program that we call a magazine article for the ear. And as we think about the topic for today, which is on serving leaders who serve, 
of challenges of home missions today will open up some of the things that both David and Joe have mentioned. Ministering in Manhattan uh, with Pastor Paul Murphy of the United Reformed Churches in North America. Uh, We've had a lot of downloads of that program. I think people's jaws just drop open when they realize the kinds of challenges you face working in a in a, in, a, in that, that great city, New York. And then, as I mentioned before, the unprivate life of a pastor's wife, uh, where my wife and I tackle some of these things that we're, that we're dealing with uh, on this program, but really more for, from, the, from the perspective of the challenges to a pastor's wife. So you can get those archives at our own website, Visit the Pastor's Study, and that's all one word, visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you can just Google in Visit the Pastor's Study, and you'll you'll get us rather quickly, or sermonaudio.com, that's one word, sermonaudio.com, which is a vast resource uh, for sermons and teachings and broadcasts. All you've got to do is just type in again, Visit the Pastor's Study, and you'll get our archives there. We'd like you to like us on Facebook, same site, a visit to the pastor's study, and we always value your questions and your comments. You can email me at uh, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. That's all one word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Your questions, your comments, and if there are things that uh, that, uh, David or Joe should receive, we can pass them on to you. And also want to take a moment to thank Redeemer Broadcasting Network, uh, we are simulcast on all of the Redeemer Broadcasting Network stations, and we are uh, deeply in their debt and appreciative of their work. All right, David Wiedis and Joe Bruni of Serving Leaders Ministry. L- let's just—you mentioned self-care, okay? Talk a little bit about self-care in leadership and ministry, and then let's deal with this leader burnout topic. Yeah. Um... Self-care may sound like a selfish kind of thing, but it is absolutely necessary uh, for all ministry leaders, for all people, uh, particularly ministry leaders, because we are in helping professions. We're always dealing with people with pain, trauma, uh, tragedy, death, etc. And, uh, as I said before, the relentless pressure of ministry. So if ministry is a gift to us, it's something that we need to steward, and stewarding means taking care of yourself, having the capacity to uh, keep going. And so the, the, the long-range goal here is to stay in ministry, to stay in the game, not to burn it one, oneself out. So things like resting, taking Sabbath. This is a shock, Bill, but you know many pastors, when you ask them, do you, do you honor and take the Sabbath? And by that, we don't mean preaching in church. Um, you, you, you'd be shocked at how many people don't take a 24-hour period where they're, they're, they're rejoicing in God, they're contemplating, they're resting, they're Sabbathing. Um, things like eating, eating right, having time for your family, having time off. Um, one of the things that I, when I talk with elders and, and uh, church officers about their pastor, I say, you know, the best thing your pastor can do is be in spiritual shape. And what does that mean? Um, that means being close to Christ. That means having enough time to contemplate with him and read the word for himself, not to um, always be expounding on it and teaching. And, and so there's so many ways to engage in wise yeah. self-care, but the idea is sometimes you have to convince pastors to do that in the first place. Joe, I'm interested in your your addition to this, then I want to mention a couple of books that I found helpful. But Joe, give, give kind of a, your two cents on this subject of self-care. 
Yeah, I would actually say that, you know, as, as ministers of the gospel, we are preaching, we're proclaiming the gospel to people nonstop. And yet, I wonder how often we're preaching the gospel to ourselves. And I think part of self-care is really being able to have rhythms and healthy spiritual practices in your life that allow you to examine yourself and allow the gospel to be applied to daily, you know, questions, issues, need of grace that we experience every day. And so I, I think some of the self-care sounds selfish on, at surface uh, to pastors. At face value, they go, well, that's not, I'm called to give my life away. Um, and we're reminding them that actually what they're called to do is experience an intimacy with Christ that then will overflow to their people. That they're not the shepherds. Christ is our shepherd. They're the ones who are just representing Christ and bringing him to the people. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, I urge you, brothers, don't be so don't be so defensive about about saying this is not being selfish. The Bible does talk about looking out not only for your own interests, which assumes we look out for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. And and I can I cannot amen enough. Uh, even as a Presbyterian, I can't I can't amen enough or more loudly the call for ministers to have their uh, the, the the Sabbath, the Lord's Day Sabbath is Sunday, the first day of the week, and obviously ministers are going to be serving that day. And the usual argument you hear is, well, the priests in the Old Testament serve too on that day. Well, the fact of the matter is, you've got to have a day of rest. And so whether it's a Monday or a Tuesday or whatever it would be, ministers need that. And just let me just interject a couple of book suggestions, and then, brothers, let's zero in on, on burnout. The book Reset, I mentioned it at the beginning, Reset by David Murray, is absolutely outstanding on this whole subject of self-care, not only for ministers, but it's kind of geared toward them, but reset by David Murray. And the other, while his understanding of the Lord's Day and even the Sabbath uh, sometimes uh, makes the the hair on the back of my neck stand up, nevertheless, as far as a medical assessment, the book 24-6, by Matthew Sleeth, S-L-E-E-T-H, at Tyndall House Books, 24-6, is very helpful for everyone on, on the absolute necessity of having a Sabbath rest, as David has put it. Okay, let's here we go. Let's tackle ministry leader burnout. That is the big one. Uh, David and Joe, tell, tell us what's that, what does it look like, and what does it sound like, uh, what does it feel like to a minister and then, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, a, a quick definition. I would say the technical name for burnout is compassion fatigue, and it's a state of spiritual, emotional, and physical exhaustion from long-term helping and caring. And typically, it's composed of three parts. Very briefly, one is what's called primary traumatic stress, which is when you are directly exposed to trauma, such as you're in a hospital room and you're watching someone pass away. It's also comprised of secondary stress, which is when you're exposed to trauma and and uh, you know tra- trauma through the eyes of someone else. So when you're hearing stories from a parishioner of something that has taken place in their lives, and the third component is this actual burnout, which is this emotional and physical exhaustion. So I would describe it as a an attrition of motivation and vitality, depletion of energy as a result of prolonged stress. Those three things work together in a way that really creates a gradual loss of hope, a loss of focus, a loss of joy, a loss of relationships, 
a loss of, uh, of satisfaction in ministry. And so what it feels like is you're, you're, you just don't have the vitality that you once had. And it's, I want to emphasize it takes place over a long period of time, so it's hard to see it. But we get a lot of people who come in, and, you know, we, we can diagnose it pretty quickly. Uh, it's, it can be obvious to us, but it's not obvious to the person. Yeah, so, and a lot of ministry leaders who are very experienced at what they do can go through the motions for a very long time yeah. and hide the burnout until it hits, until it completely hits the fan and the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know for me on a personal level, I, I would always, the, the trigger for me is what when what ought to have been a delight for me in ministry, and fill in the blankest as to what that, that ministry task was, but what, what was to be a delight to me when it just became a duty, that was, that was the red light on the dashboard for me that said you, you've got to make some changes. Okay, so so what do you prescribe? What what do you recommend? I realize there's a range, but give us the range of things you recommend to to ministry leaders struggling with burnout. Yeah, and, and may, may I just say the, that for those who are listening, that if they go to our website, uh, servingleaders.org, we have some interviews that I've done on TV that we have there of people who've experienced burnout and what the experience was, including a pastor who was preaching a sermon and felt like the floor was opening up and swallowing him. So that might be helpful for okay. people to see. Serving Leaders, um, one word, servingleaders.org is your website. Correct. Right, okay. Correct. All right, so your, so your so, prescriptions. Prescriptions. <laughs> for the, the first thing that I try to do is ask a, a, a pastor for his calendar. Let's look at how many hours you're actually working. Don't tell me how many hours you think you're working. Let's really see. And normally it's it's up in the 70 to 90 hour a week range, and maybe sometimes that's an underestimate. So we want to get a handle on what the lifestyle is like and how, and, and I start to teach how to engage in self-care. Now sometimes we've had emergency sabbaticals where someone is so far gone that they have to stop, I mean immediately. And within a week I've seen some pastors go on sabbatical for three months where they're really going to do nothing but rest. Some people think of sabbatical as, I'm going to go write my book or, or get ahead in my preaching schedule. But no, it's rest. It's, it's getting away from everything uh, related to ministry. So it's that. It's engaging in the kinds of things that we started to talk about and putting placeholders in their lives where they are really taking uh, a break from ministry, even during the day, uh, during the week, having different things um, you know, to do. Uh, uh, that's not ministry-related. Bill, I would also say that over time, inevitably, pastors are dealing with any number of different hard and broken relationships. And I think that over time, pastors experience a level of guilt and shame over what maybe they feel like they were unable to do, uh, unable to accomplish, uh, uh, or the, the lack of fruit they've seen in certain areas. And I think, you know, oftentimes they they haven't taken the time to truly put that before the Lord and slow down and say, what does this mean for me? In other words, what, am I, what question am I asking in my heart that is, has led me to have shame over these things? Maybe it is some conflict resolution, direct conflict, conflict resolution. Maybe it's just the drain of, of dealing with the, the battle that they face uh, within and without, with, outside of the church um, with what they're doing as they proclaim the gospel. But either way, there is there's a need to step back and reflect on that and be reminded of who they are in Christ. 
um, without the things they do and the, the accomplishments they have, and, and ultimately be reminded of the fruit is not theirs. Uh, it's the Lord's. Yeah, this goes back to what I mentioned in the monologue. I remember Donald Whitney had used the whose emphasis is on is on spiritual care, the spiritual life. He used the the phrase microwave spirituality, and I've, I've chewed on that one because so I used in the monologue the the Amazon Prime mindset. Everything has to be fast. It has to be done quickly as with a microwave and when you apply that you know I don't, I don't think people do it intentionally but that that kind of there's a momentum of it to think about christian ministry in that way i mean you're talking about a complete clash ministry ministry's not is not amazon prime to say the least yes except that there's a lot of churches and a lot a lot of church culture cultures that really emphasize that it's it's programmatically driven Excellence driven. There's nothing wrong with excellence, but when that um, takes place and precedence over relationship, both relationship with God and relationship with each other and your own family, see, then we have our priorities mixed up, and that's a recipe for burnout. On, on sabbaticals, because I want I want to develop this a bit more. Uh, I, I promote this almost whenever whenever I'm in churches, we'll speak with elders about. And I say, your, your pastor's not paying me to say this, but I remember the first time I was given, it was a two-and-a-half-month sabbatical, and and, and uh, what I remember, David and Joe, most distinctively is I realized how exhausted I was, and I'd lost the forest for the trees. Now, but, but, but do you find ministers, uh, ministry leaders, are proactive dealing with their governing boards about their needs for these things, or are they afraid to bring them up, or are governing boards backwards, or what? Uh, I, I find that in the majority of cases, at least in our experiences, that they're, they don't bring it up. They're not proactive at all. Um, they're waiting until the burnout takes place, as opposed to being proactive. We do a fair amount of coaching of pastors through a sabbatical, and what that means is really starting about eight months to a year before that time off to plan it. Now, sometimes people call up and say, I'm going on sabbatical next week. Can you help me? And we try. But uh, it, it's easy to squander a sabbatical. It's interesting. Excuse me for interrupting, but see, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, microwave spirituality. You get a call saying, yep. hey, I'm going on sabbatical tomorrow. Can you can you help me out? Yeah, excuse me for interrupting, but, but that's, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's it. Fun. Sure. I would also say there is, again, uh, there's a sense of shame in the self-advocacy of the need for that kind of healthy spirituality for the pastor. So, you know, there are people sitting, even on elders' boards, who go, well, my job doesn't give me a sabbatical. Exactly. And so there is there is a unhealthy understanding of what uh, different spheres of influence and, and vocations offer and afford. And I would even say pastors and ministry leaders aren't teaching their people who are in other fields that they need to have healthy rhythms of life and rest and work. And so... I think that's a huge problem in the church, and really, there's a there's a sense in which, hey, you're the you're the pastor here, and this is your job, just like I have my job. And if you if you want to take a sabbatical, it means you just want a extra vacation, and you and you want us to pay for that too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm right, glad sir. you guys are around to be advocates. We've got a one phone call. We'll have to make it kind of quick, but Tyler from Mastic Beach has called in. Tyler, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. What's on your mind today? 
Good. How are you? Uh, I was noticing you guys uh, were talking about uh, sabbaticals, and I and I thought of the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith. I think there's a passage in there that um, talks about uh, like the nature of the Sabbath and how uh, it's like an eternal um, a picture of eternity and when we rest from our ways and you know, spending eternity with the glorified Christ. I don't know if that would. Uh, be a theological uh, reflection of yeah. you know a sabbatical, but that's kind of my question. No, like, thanks, it, thanks, Tyler. You want to feel that one, either David or Joe? Uh, Bill, Bill, I'm sorry, the, he really cut out there, so I could yeah. Not hear I think that. the question is that from the Westminster mm-hmm. Confession of Faith, the the concept of the Sabbath as a as a picture of our eternal rest. Does that bear on what you're talking about? Sure, but but I, I think that the fact that God, um, yes, that God rested. Yeah. And that he modeled rest for us, and I think throughout the scriptures, you know, at, at, at taking the Sabbath year, uh, but um, where, wherever it comes from, I mean, I think it's being a good steward of the ministry that God's given us, and to really pay attention to the need for it. Yeah, absolutely. T- tell us, we mentioned before some of the seminars that you do for churches and ministry leaders. What what, what are some of those? Yeah, one of the Speaking of, of burnout, I, I do one called uh, Avoiding the Nightmares of pa- Pastoral Burnout and Flameout. And flameout is my term for, for moral failure. Uh, burnout can also lead to flameout, and there are many factors. I do an inoculation against sexual misconduct where I actually try to help pastors really envision what are the circumstances whereby you would engage in sexual conduct because sexual temptation is not, what, it's not if, it's when. Um, I do a seminar called Your Ruling Passions. Do they rule your pulpit? How, did, how the idols of your heart can sabotage your ministry, your marriage, your family? Um, and also the idea of, uh, of just understanding counseling issues, uh, avoiding pastoral abuse of authority and sexual misconduct in your church. So um, I teach a, teach a course called Legal and Ethical Issues in Counseling. It may sound like a boring course, but it is a fascinating course that really inoculates pastors uh, in the area of counseling as well as sexual misconduct, because the ethical issues that come up are not, you're not born with it, you really need to understand them. And most most pastors, I find, do a great job, but they don't understand some of the issues of overstepping boundaries and things like that. Are these, what are these seminars done during the week, on a Saturday? I mean, what are the, what are the, the, the forums in, in which you present these? Yeah, sometimes there are there are a Friday night to a Saturday. I can do I can do some of them in one day, and so, a few of them can be done in a, in a few hours, like a three hour uh, seminar. And oftentimes we incorporate the church into it as well. Uh, I actually do one sermon, Bill. You might be interested in in uh, twenty ways to destroy your pastor and demoralize his family. Uh, that's a that sermon. Sort of a, that's <laughs> that's a, a sermon. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's a tongue in cheek, but fun, uh, fun humor filled, but also gets the point across there's there's ways that you discourage your pastors and there's ways that you can encourage them and so let's yeah. let's try to learn that so if you have a group of churches we call them a presbytery if you have a group of, of churches that are a presbytery the, the, you could you could do some of these at one of their one of their saturday meetings or something correct absolutely yeah, okay. I've, I've, done that, I've done that before um Sometimes I'll give you 45 minutes, and it's hard to squeeze a lot yeah, in, into sure, that. But, sure. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, love to do that. Now, as our time is ebbing here, look, give us your contact information, David and Joe. 
Sure. Uh, the, the best way to get a hold of us is uh, servingleaders.org. There's a contact us page right there. Um, I can also give my phone number, uh, 610-517-0437. Um, and people can contact me personally if they'd like to. But those are the best ways to, to get a hold of us. And, and uh, Joe, did you have some final words here you wanted to add in your, uh, in your role that you have with, uh, with serving leaders? Yeah, well, what I was going to say was, you know, a lot of what we do sounds like, you know, pastors coming, ministry leaders coming to us. And what I would say is we really are a mission that is going out to the world of ministry leadership. And so we want to be proactively stepping out and stepping into the lives of denominations, of other pastoral groups that get together. We want to serve them. And really, you know, we, we um, as a ministry, want to be freed up as much as possible to offer those services as freely as possible. So that's something that as we go forward, we just want ministries to know there's, you know, in some ways, yes, come to us. We've got a counseling center. We've got great counselors that can meet with you. In so many other ways, Dave and a lot of our staff want to go out and be part of what's going on that already exists in different presbyteries and groups and pastoral, you know, um, gatherings. And we just want to help facilitate health and growth in those environments. Well, when you mentioned, yeah, when you brothers mentioned coming alongside, you know as well as I do, uh, that's that's the meaning of, of the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. But Joe didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, I, just, I just was going to end by saying I think that is, uh, that's the heart of our ministry, that we would be coming alongside and we would be able to speak into and actually help pastors realize the need they don't maybe know that they have right now. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Hey, listen, we've come to the end of another visit to the pastor study, and my great thanks to David Wiedis and Joe Bruni of Serving Leaders. Again, that's one word, Serving Leaders, and then Ministries. You can look them up at servingleadersoneword.org. I am so appreciative of the work that these brothers are doing. One is ordained as an elder, the other an ordained minister, and what they're doing is very needed. Hey, to appreciate your feedback or your questions, you can email me, visit Pastor Bill, all one word, at gmail.com. Remember, tomorrow's the Lord's Day, and be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. And remember, too, that everyone needs a pastor. We'll see you on the radio next week. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.